from the Whiskey 61 Lounge inside the Bank Plus Studio. You are listening to Mississippi's number one sports talk show, The Out of Bounds Show with Bo Bounds. Streaming worldwide live on the Out of Bounds radio app and on your radio at ESPN 105.9. The Soul. And good morning. Welcome in. Out of Bounds, 105.9 The Zone ESPN, Bourbon and Steaks, brought to you by Kessler Prime and the Renaissance. KesslerPrime.com to make a reservation. Russell's Reserve Bourbon and Long Branch Bourbon and Amazing Steaks. Kessler Prime and the Renaissance. We're on YouTube right now. Search Out of Bounds Sports and the Out of Bounds Radio app. We got it covered. Also, Facebook, search the Out of Bounds show. Uh, Bo Bounce, Blake Scott, with you on a football Friday as we have two NFL games tomorrow and Ole Miss and Mississippi State in basketball at the hump. And then, man, a loaded, loaded, loaded day of NFL games on Sunday. So it's a good sports weekend. And a good time to go to the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook and Lounge and enjoy college basketball and the NFL. The Out of Bounds radio app is rolling and the Zone1059.com. Um, big stories today. Ole Miss, Portal Mania. Um, they are entertaining Plenty of guys here over the next week. And they lost their cornerbacks coach, Sam Carter, to Purdue. And Purdue hired the Illinois defensive coordinator from Brett Bielema. Uh, Ron Walters. Yeah, Ron Walters. And he's a hell of a defensive coordinator, hell of a coach. And Purdue lost their coach. Jeff Brom, who went to Louisville, <laughs> which is his alma mater. And and so let me kind of walk you through that again. Jeff Brom is at Louisville, and and he's a heck of a coach, too. We'll keep an eye on, on him. Does he just want to stay at Louisville, or does he want to try to parlay that into a, uh, like a blue blood job? If you, if you drop Jeff Brom at Texas, Ooh. it would get ugly. Uh, that's not what you want, actually, Mississippi State and Ole Miss. You want Texas to keep Sark. Um, you know, Texas is is kind of an, an anomaly. They have a top 10 offensive coordinator in Sark. They have a top 10 defensive coordinator. And they have a top 10 special teams coach. And yet they went 8-4 and four in a weak league and they're the number one recruiter in the Big 12. So to tell you how bad... Steve Sarkeesian, no, let me start with the good. To tell you how good Steve Sarkeesian is as a play caller, offensive coordinator, he's top 10 in the country. He's He also had the foresight to hire an excellent defensive coordinator. Some would argue the best in the country. Kajkowski mm. from Washington, who was a freak out in the Pac-12 too. And their special teams coordinator is top 10 in the country. But they went eight and four at Texas. Of course they did. <laughs> and so as you think about that, you go, well, Bo, that doesn't make sense. I understand it doesn't make sense. I don't. And they're also a top 10 recruiter. So 
You have top 10 OC, top 10 DC, top 10 special teams coordinator, according to on the field metrics, and you're a top 10 recruiter and you went eight and four in a super weak conference. But but the one thing they have is all these excellent young coaches coming up, right? Like Leipold, mm. uh, um, Kleiman, yeah. Aranda, mm. and Sonny Dykes, and Matt Campbell, oh. and all that, okay? And Gundy's been good for, for 20 years. But, you know, if Texas ever gets their act together, can you imagine? Top 10 recruiter. They had the, all these top 10 coaches. But Sark is not good enough to manage people. You know? Mm-hmm. He's not mm-hmm. organized enough. Um, I mean, you have to be super razor, 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 razor sharp organized to run these big programs. And if you're not, uh, and if you don't understand that management culture piece, which Sark can't get, you know, he underachieved at Washington. He underachieved at Southern Cal. Those were the two top recruiters in the in the conference. Um, and now he's underachieving at Texas. It, the four monsters, Blake, basically in college football are Georgia, Texas, Ohio State, and Southern Cal. Two of the four have not been able to get out of their own way. Yep. They're rich. They're in fertile, fertile states. Oh. And, um, you know, what's interesting about Kirby Smart speak, we're always trying to dissect what Lane Kiffin and now Zach Arnett need to do to just find a little bit of an edge. Um, staffing, recruiting, development, how to handle high school to portal, all that fun stuff. Balance this, that, ratio, model. You know, it's flat out fascinating about Kirby Smart is he is winning like Nick Saban won in 2011. Whoa. And Blake and I have been um, guilty of this. You know, we we think that, well, the only way is this new, you know, because the game was so much different 10 years ago. And look, at a lot of programs, you got to be, you know, you got to have a little razzle-dazzle and eye candy and spread more and take more risk, Lane, Leach, uh, Sonny Dykes, whatever. Michigan. Yeah, thank you. But, which they don't. I think they still play like they're Georgia, but they're not. But my point is, here's what's amazing about Kirby. He he looked at what Nick Saban did, and he took it, and he's approved, improved on it. Whoa. And I was wrong, by the way. I didn't think that he could do that. And they're winning like Saban used to impose his will and dominate you. In 2009, 10, and 11, Kirby's winning like that. And credit to Kirby. I think Saban got way too caught up in offense and yards and the high-flying act, and Kirby looked at it and said, we're we're, going to dominate. And they just eventually dominate you in the line of scrimmage and impose your will, and Saban... I think took his eye off the defense and got really caught up with these new flashy offensive coordinators that he hired, which worked. But now all of a sudden, Kirby said, you know what? I'm going to run it like you ran it. Now, it doesn't mean that Kirby's running a 1977 offense, but they 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 know what they want to do, and they just want to beat the hell out of you. And he's not worried about as much of the high-flying act. But they're win- if you look at their numbers, they're winning like 2011 Alabama. 
credit to Kirby for now. Georgia has more resources than Alabama. Uh, Georgia's richer than Alabama, so is Florida. But but it's easier to win at Georgia, and that's going to confuse people because Saban just ripped off. Is it six na- national titles at Tuscaloosa and one at Baton Rouge, or five and one? Gosh, I have to go okay. back and look. So I think it's seven, six in Bama, one in LSU because he trumped Coach Paul Bear Bryant by one. So I think it's seven to six. And Woody Hayes is, yeah, is. They claim he had six two. Um, with Georgia and LSU, it's easier to win. You have the state to yourself. And even though Bama has even though Bama has won more championships, it's harder to win in T Town than it is in Athens and Baton Rouge. Now we'll see if Florida gets their act together with NIL. They were never gonna cheat under the table like Bama and Georgia and LSU and others uh, at that level or even close to that level. But with NIL, now that it's legal, is Florida willing to jump in the game and be the Florida Gators that we think they can be? What do you think, Blake? Florida, Michigan are two names that I've always heard don't cheat, quote-unquote. NIL, if done right, should level that playing field to some extent. I have a bigger question on the other side for you, though, about why Kirby's having the success and why Nick Saban had to go into offense and couldn't do what Kirby's doing. Well... And then you got Scott Cochran, who left the the nest of of Nick Saban, and he works for Kirby Smart. Tom Luganbill at 8.30, Chad Bumpus at 9.30. I have to tell you about this game-changing product I use before a night out with drinks. It's called Z-Biotics. Let's face it. After a night out with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to, and I have to make a choice. I can either have a great night or a great next day, and that is until I found Z-Biotics. Every time I have a Z-Biotics before drinks, I notice a difference the next day. Even after a night out, I can confidently plan on hosting this show and being awesome without worry. Look, I won't lie. I was a bit on the about Z-Biotics initially, but then while hanging out with friends over cocktails, I gave it a shot. And believe me, it is the real deal. Go to zbiotics.com slash OOB to get 15% off your first order when you use OOB at checkout. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash OOB and use the code OOB at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Z-Biotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, tomorrow, Humphrey Coliseum. Hoops game. Don't think that it's not big for Jans and Kermit Davis Jr., and, and for the players, for the fans, and for you. Uh, you may not be paying attention to that much college basketball, but you will tomorrow. Our game preview is brought to you by Independent Roofing Systems. The number one commercial roofing company in Mississippi, Independent Roofing Systems. 
So we'll see what uh, Chris Jans does in his first rivalry game. First of two this year between the Rebels and the Dogs. Both looking for their first conference win. All right. And then we have two NFL games. It's a hell of a sports weekend brought to you by the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook and Lounge. I'm here for it. Ole Miss, Mississippi State in hoops at Humphrey Coliseum. Little pregame, postgame at uh, Two Brothers Smoked Meats with some wings and an ice cold Coors Light. And then you you have a mid-afternoon um, NFL game in the Raiders and the Chiefs. And then the night game is for all the marbles in the playoffs. Your Tennessee Titans against the Jacksonville Jaguars for the night game. Winner, division, champ, AFC South. Winner, division, champ, uh, AFC South. Trevor Lawrence leading the Jacksonville Jaguars. So you got little hoops in the dogs and the Rebs. One of two. They'll play in Starkville and then Oxford. And the students are not there. That, But now it didn't hurt Mississippi State in the last game. Uh, they sold it out against Alabama and played well considering how good Bama is. And they missed like 47 free throws. I mean, if you hit... 10 more free throws, it's maybe a game the last four minutes of the game, but you are where you are, and you kind of are what you are. Um, I mean, you can only D up so much. Uh, I mean, you can stop people, but there is a, you know, there's there's a limit there. And Ole Miss hasn't found their mojo either. So, uh, and with the way they finished the football season, there's there's a little more griping um, about Kermit Davis Jr. When, when either one of the two teams win the Golden Egg and your bowl game, you can, you know, kind of overlook uh, losing, let's just say you lose three of five in basketball and, and on a January or February run or four of six. And some of you just don't care at all if, if you win that game on Thanksgiving and and win a bowl game, maybe sign a recruit or two that gets you hot and bothered. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, then people start focusing on the hardwood. Y'all know, listening to the show, I love hoops. We can't. Uh, talk about it as, you know, near as much as, as maybe I would, but, uh, it's a big game tomorrow. And when these, when the maroon and white, red and blue go after it, you want it and you want it bad. So there you go. There's been, there's been a lot of bragging rights since Thanksgiving and start Vegas, Mississippi, and that, that will continue with the golden egg. Um, but the, and it, this one pales in comparison, but it's still fun to say we won. And so two hours later, somebody will be the winner. Or maybe we'll go into overtime. Of course, it could be like 36-36. But <laughs> anyway, out of bounds, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Speaking of game day, if you're going to be at the house tomorrow, I think a, a great way to celebrate the Ole Miss-Mississippi State game and the two NFL games is to, uh, to fix a boar's head pizza with all their premium meats and cheeses or, or cook a couple of them. Or maybe some Boar's Head game day sliders. Or, this is the trifecta, Boar's Head game day nachos. And you can find the best selection of Boar's Head premium meats and cheeses and hummus at Corner Market Grocery Stores all around the great state of Mississippi. Corner Market Grocery Stores, over 20 in the state. The newest one in Macomb. And there's one coming to Startable. Thank goodness.
um, because it's right around where I hang out. All right. Live in the Bank Plus studio. We're going to have Tom Luganbill coming up next. We will preview TCU and Georgia out in Los Angeles Monday night. National championship game. Uh, I expect uh, Georgia to blow their doors off. Congratulations, by the way, to Sonny Dykes and TCU. Um, that is nothing short of remarkable what Sonny Dykes and Max Duggan and his coaching staff and the players have pulled off. Um, to go to the college football playoff, considering where you recruit, and navigate your way through the Big 12, which may not be loaded with talent, but is loaded with excellent coaching, and then beat Michigan, who out-recruits you by miles, um, and to play that way on D, the way that you had McCarthy really, he, he couldn't get comfortable, and you had him seeing ghosts at times. Uh, that's a credit to Sonny Dykes and that, that staff. So we have the Georgia Bulldogs in TCU in Los Angeles, and they're not allowing tailgating. I don't say know that why. Again. Yeah, say that again. They're doing what? Why are they? What? What is? It, it's not COVID, right? So what? What is the hang up? What the hell is the difference in going in the stadium and hanging out with people and touching an arm? Re- I mean, first of all, that's all ridiculous. What? What? Di- did they give an explanation? on why you can't tailgate before the national championship game at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles between the Georgia Bulldogs and the TCU Horned Frogs. No, apparently it's just the SoFi Stadium policy. Oh, so it doesn't matter. The, they don't let Rams fans uh, do it. Apparently. Okay. I, I, it says Typical, SoFi. the elites on the West Coast are above here's, tailgating. Here's the quote. SoFi Stadium does allow tailgating for, quote, select events, quote, but not for the biggest college football game of the year. <laughs> okay. Aren't they hosting the draft it's in the next couple of years? It's mind-blowing that this is a conversation we're having right okay. now. Okay. So if, if you and I were there and we drove up in our SUV and we had the cooler packed with Coors Light and Yingling and game day, uh, Boar's Head game day sliders and wanted to roll everything out, meet a couple other friends and hang out for two hours, no bueno. Well, let me ask you this question because this is where this gets interesting. What constitutes tailgating? That's, are you really going to stop somebody from pulling up and cracking a beer in their Ram truck and, and cracking a beer and smashing well, some boar's head game day? Slides? Well, like that's, here's my question. What do, what do I have to do to go from eating a snack in my car slash outside my car right. to tailgating? Like, does it, is there a number of people it has to be like, as long as it's well, just, is it, is it, is it by sliders and beer? Well, that, yeah. If if I have a cooler, is that define it as tailgating? What if the cooler stays in the truck? If I get on the tailgate of the truck, is that tailgating? Literally. No, I think your feet have to be on the asphalt. See, I mean, I'm just saying, I don't know. I'd, I'd question that. The real question okay, is. Okay, no, I think you just posed a great question. Let's, let's, let's define tailgating. I mean, I don't know what. I don't know what. I've, ta- I've, tailed, I've tailgated in Startville, Oxford, Tuscaloosa, Baton Rouge. When we talk about the evolution of home gating, kind of the, the tailgated the, at Saints. Yeah. You know, NFL tailgating is different. It's more parking lot. It's Big Ten and Big 12. Yeah. It's, so it's like when we went to Penn State, Ohio State game. Yeah. And we tailgated. It's all in the parking lot. <laughs> totally different than Kansas being in State. the Grove or the Junction. Kansas State is a stadium surrounded entirely by parking lot, and they all just drive up like 
converted ambulances and short school buses and RVs, and that's they tailgate out of that. So they had this crappy uh, – the Penn State guys that we, who are some of the best guys in the world – they had this crappy, it's not even an RV. What's the thing that you hook to the back of a car, but it's a camper. Yeah, a camper. camper. There you go. And uh, they had a camper. And, I mean, it was a crappy camper, especially considering how well these guys did. But, but I mean, it may have just been their thing, right, for 20. This is our tailgating camper. And we're out in the middle of the field. Right? Yeah. I'm yeah. not kidding. I believe even, you. Even though we're close to the stadium, it's a field. Yeah. And they're playing beer ping pong. Yeah, and it's twenty-two degrees, and I was like, "Guys, I'm going to a cool steakhouse. <laughs> I'm not going to stay out here and freeze my ass." You off. live a different world. Well, if I was twenty-two, I would have. I wasn't twenty-two when I went to the Penn State Ohio State game. But anyway, it's a, you're right. NFL tailgating totally different than SEC tailgating. Tom Luganville coming up next on the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone, brought to you by Patron Tequila. Back in a second. The button, my friend. The Out of Show is ah. from the Whiskey 61 Lounge in the Bank Plus Studio. Check, check, check it out. Oh, Tom Luganville on the Patron Tequila guest line. We are the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone, made with 100% blue agave, number one selling tequila in the world. Right here on the Out of Bounds Show. You can watch the show right now on YouTube. Search Out of Bounds Sports. And Tom Luganville, National College Football Analyst with ESPN, joins us. Um, all right, Tom Luganville. Was, we were talking about tailgating in the, uh, in the last segment. And you've been doing this for so long as a coach, as a player coach and uh, analyst and, you know, color analyst, sideline analyst. Have you ever tailgated at a college football game? Um, that is a really good question. And to my memory, I would probably just say off the top of my head, no. I've never tried to think. I don't think I have. That's a really good question, Bo. And I should have. <laughs> like, I know I've been a part of tailgates as a kid. Right. Like, when, when my, uh, with my dad's teams, whether it was Arizona State or San Diego State, and, you know, over in NFL Europe, you see all those people get all excited. Um, but, no, I don't know if I've actually ever participated in one. Well, How sad is that? Well, I, you know, I, I, I thought about that about 10 minutes ago. I said, I don't think Tom Luganville's ever tailgated at a game because he's always playing or coaching or working. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, we've done it. So I've tailgated in Oxford in the Grove, the Junction, Junction, Starkville, uh, Tuscaloosa, Baton Rouge, uh, Penn State, Ohio State game. We had some Penn State guys invite us up to that. And we, that's a totally different tailgate than down in the SEC and Auburn, maybe a couple other areas, but I I thought, you know, think about it. You've never had a cold beer and like. A rack of ribs at an SEC tailgate. Right. No, never. Not one time. Unbelievable. Well. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It. 
really is now that I think now about you it. got me all depressed. I was feeling <laughs> good. I mean, I, I, I come on, I didn't realize I was on such a highfalutin show with <laughs> the number one tequila in the world <laughs> taking care of business. And now you just remind me that I haven't experienced one of the greatest joys in life. <laughs> well, we've done some serious tailgating over the years. We kind of got it good. We're in sports broadcasting and sports marketing, but we don't have to work on the weekends. So it's it's not a bad yeah. It's not a bad deal. Now, do we entertain clients, do things like that? Sure, but but different deal from yeah. all the prep and things that you and your your crew, your colleagues do as far as bebopping all over the country and, and doing all the meetings and stuff. But Well, uh, let me ask you this, Bo, real quick. Okay. So with technology now, like you can pretty much pack up and do your show on the road anywhere now, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. So my daughter started at Mississippi State last August, and Wendy and I started going up to Startville on Thursday nights, and I would just do the show from Startville on Friday. And as you know, the equipment is small and cool, and, you know, the engineers wire it up, and I just punch two buttons, and I'm in. Yeah. It's it's pretty it's pretty awesome. There's going to be more of that for, for Bo Bounds' world because my next one's yeah, – I'm going back-to-back, back, Luke's. My next one, my youngest, is a senior in high school, and he'll be in college in August – so there's going to be some longer beach weekends and football weekends oh, like that. Oh yeah. Yep. yep. Oh, yeah. I hear you, brother. So, um, all right. I-, I wanted to ask you this too. Yesterday we got on a big keto CrossFit thing. Do you have yeah. you ever done keto or something like that diet? And do you do CrossFit? No. So I've done the Atkins stuff, and I'm not. I'm not a big sweet tooth. I'm not a big sugary guy. Yeah. Um, my problem is in-season discipline versus out-of-season discipline. Ah. Like, you get me into the month of February, and from February to August, I'll get after it on the workout team. Mm -hmm. But when I get into football season, I get so dialed in and I get so consumed with where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be there, what I've got to prepare for, radio, TV, travel, hotels, rental cars, that I do not do as good a job of taking care of myself as I should. But right in about three days from now is when I will start the the, the Tommy Luganville workout train. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, I, and I don't go like, like, I don't cut out alcohol or do this and that, but like, I, do, I really don't do sugar. Um, I, I try to avoid breads and pastas, but I, I will, I will be, far more into working out. Now, I did about 15 years ago. Do you remember the old P90X fad? Yes. So I did that, and let me tell you something. I did that because so much of that thing is diet. It's not just the workout, it's diet. I did probably 70% of what they said to do to get maximum results, and I still got huge results. Wow. Huge. So that actually works for me pretty good. And then CrossFit came along. I'm not that – let me tell you something. If you're going to be a CrossFit person, you might as well just be on scholarship because it's grueling. Yeah. You don't want to do it, but somebody's making you do it, right? Yeah. Everybody always says – my son's always like, why are you skipping leg day? I said, I'm not skipping leg day. I said, leg day stopped when I went off scholarship. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love. That's how, when leg day stops. All right, now that you're getting into your workout routine, uh, and this interview is brought to you by Fondren Fitness and Fondren. Uh, Luke's, how many days a week do you lift? How many days a week do you like walk or something? How, how does that work? My cardio will consist of light walking, but probably four days a week of bands, tubes, and body resistance. I can do it all at my home. Okay. Yeah. That's strong. That's good. All right. Um, so here's what I'm, I'm going to do for you. I'm going to take a picture of myself in, like, May, and I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to say this is what's transpired between February and May. And you would not have wanted to see what November looked like. Dude, I just went to the, what was the Outback Bowl. It's the Rely Quest Bowl. I just flew down to Tampa yeah. to watch the dogs in Illinois. And I ate like hell. And I don't do that. But, but I mean, <laughs> I went to Burns Steakhouse one night. I went to Malio's Steakhouse the next night. And uh, a friend of mine was kind enough to invite me in a suite. And I smashed a bunch of food on game day. I mean, <laughs> you can't do it's virtually impossible when you're Dude, on the road. It catches up with you, and you've got, you know, you got catering at the production truck. Yeah. You go out, you have a crew meal on a Thursday when you arrive. Try to have a nice dinner and settle in on Friday night. And, you know, you get the little vino, little burb, and the next thing you know, you got a, some steak and some veggies. It starts adding up, man. I know. Look, I don't ever eat in the press boxes because usually I'm tailgating. And... I walked up to Raymond James. I know you've been there many a times to the Buccaneer yeah. Stadium, and the spread that they had before the game was big time. So I fixed yeah. myself a plate. You know, <laughs> and, why not? Yeah, and then I went in the suite and got a Tito's and club soda. But all right, so let's uh, let's go to uh, first of all, we had two awesome games, Tom Luganville, over the weekend. And I think we need to embrace that because we like to complain and so on when we don't get the good semifinal games. Well, and, we'd only had one. Until then, we'd only had one. It was Oklahoma, Georgia. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, Michigan TCU was a lot of fun. And Ohio State and Georgia was a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, kudos to all four teams. And I, I thought, well, how about this? Out of the two games, was there one big takeaway for Tom Luganville coming out of the national semifinal games going into the national championship game Monday night in L.A.? Yeah, if you're a team with better talent and better depth, don't give TCU opportunities. And that's exactly what Michigan did. Yeah, Michigan helped TCU, right? And then TCU was savvy enough to take it and run with it and capitalize on it. You've heard me say this a hundred times, man. I mean, if, if you're outmanned and somebody's got better talent than you do, you need them to help you. That's just part of the deal. You need to, them to do something uncharacteristic to their nature. And then when they do, you have to capitalize on it. And I thought that the Michigan TCU game was a prime example of that, particularly in the first half. Talk about how bad Michigan was as far as red zone efficiency on offense. Oh, and you just can't brutal. do that. You can't, and, and I, I'll say this. I think I might have said this to you last week or the week before. TCU has better players than people think they do, and I think they had better players than Michigan thought they did. They ran better. They were faster, and I think they surprised Michigan a little bit, um, and Michigan got flustered. They didn't seem like they were in rhythm. They were in sync, and, you know, red zone offense now, I mean, that, that's what college football has become. 
You look at look at all the statistical data now where you'll see a team, oh, well, this team's averaging 515 yards uh, per game on offense, or this defense is allowing 493 yards per game uh, on defense. But the team that on offense has 515 yards of total offense is 7-5, and five, and the team that has 493 yards that they've given up on defense is 10-2. and two. Right. Well, why is that? Because the game is played now between the 20 and the 20. People are going to go up and down the field on each other. Bing, bang, boom, up and down. I mean, it's, just, it's like following the tennis ball. But how you perform in the red area is what is defining college football now more than ever before. The field becomes a de- condensed. You have less real estate that you have to defend, right? And now also you have analytics, right, because coaches are now more prone if it's fourth and four, fourth and three, fourth and two, they're going to go for it. They're not going to kick the field goal. And so it's just interesting how all of the stats that always seem to have something to do with yards don't really mean anything anymore. Okay. When, when you look at Tom Luganbill, National College Football Analyst with ESPN, he joins us on the Out of Bounds show. The... <sighs> Georgia is playing 2011 Alabama football and mm-hmm. playing it maybe better than Bama was during that 9, 10, 11, where they just absolutely yeah. physically dominated you. Um, talk about what Kirby and and Monken and Scott Cochran and all these dudes are doing. Because um, it looks like to me they're playing Bama football from 10 years ago, and I'm not sure we thought that could happen. Well, they're doing it, but they're doing it with a much better athlete at quarterback, right? A better athlete than Greg McElroy, a better athlete than A.J. McCarron. Right. Um, You know, I I think that's that's the other component to this. It probably gets hidden or gets glossed over a little bit, is Stetson Bennett athletically is – is way, way, way above average. He can get you out of trouble. He can extend plays. He can throw off platform. He can, you know, he can do all of these different types of things that maybe some of those quarterbacks at Alabama weren't overly capable of doing. And, you know, I, it, it's interesting. We were on College Football Live earlier this week on, on, on Wednesday night, and we were, we were kind of discussing why, why do people keep referring to Stetson Bennett as a, as a walk-on? Why isn't he thought of? amongst the greats and things of that nature. And my response was, well, first and foremost, wasn't he just invited to New York for the Heisman Trophy? So obviously he's being thought of as amongst the greats amongst some people. Um, But at the end of the day, for as good a personnel as Georgia has, Stetson Bennett still has to do his job so they can do their job, right? I mean, he he still has to make uh, an assessment pre-snap. He has to make a progression post-snap. He has to come up with a positive result, all right? All of that stuff happens with him. So we, 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 we do need to start giving him credit as a player for being a little bit more dynamic and maybe um, carrying a little bit more of the load than people have been willing to give him to this point because he's, so, he's a victim of his history. He's a victim of being a That's... walk-on and then going to the junior college level, and then coming back as a walk-on, and then having to beat out JT Daniels and beat out Brock Grandervith, whoever it is. He's a, he's a victim of his own path, and that's unfortunate. Okay, can you describe the difference 
between the Alabama signing class and the Georgia signing class this year? Uh, an eyelash. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I mean, listen. No, I don't even think that's so much the question. The question is, if the class Alabama signed was signed by anybody else, would it be considered on paper to be the greatest class ever? And I think the, the answer is yes. But because Alabama signed it, and there's such an expectation, nobody looks at it that way. I mean, you're looking at, Bo, you're looking about at a class that has the number one and number two running back, the number one defensive end, the number two offensive tackle, the number one Juco receiver, the number one or two Juco offensive tackle, the number um, four and five quarterback, I think I mentioned that, and 14 players in the class that rank at the top five of their position nationally. Now, what if that class was signed by LSU? Mm-hmm. Or that class was signed by Florida or Miami or USC? We would be lauding it just like we did the Texas A&M class last year in 2022. But because it's Alabama, it, and that's how spoiled fans have become. That's how, that's how much they – Maybe I don't want to say don't appreciate it, but there's a lack of appreciation. No, I see where you're going for the sustainability. Yeah. of how hard this is to do. No, that, I think you're onto something there. Tom Luganville heads up recruiting for ESPN, National College Football Analyst on the Out of Bounds Show. Is it is it the best class ever? It's a good question. Um, when so you do realize the meltdown that's going to happen in Tuscaloosa on Monday night, uh, in Birmingham and and Mobile and so on, Huntsville, if and when Georgia wins their second championship, but also back-to-back with someone that spent uh, almost a decade in Tuscaloosa, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you can have as much backlash as you want, but the, the lesson to be learned is you're, you, if you go undefeated, you're in. If you lose once, you're likely in. If you lose twice, you're out, period. And let's not forget, and I had Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. That team's a really good football team. I don't think anybody in the college football playoff would want to play it. I really don't. But at the same time, that team is two plays away from being undefeated. They're also about four plays away from being eight and four. And so, you know, you look at the back end of the A&M game, the back end of the Arkansas game, what they had to do to win that game, winning the Old Miss game, um, the Texas game to start the season. People forget that that was also a team that was, you know, they had their fair share of deficiencies, and they were sloppy. They were the most heavily penalized team Nick Saban had ever had. Um, They were not disciplined. Um, And I understand that if you look at them from a player perspective, do they match up better with Georgia than TCU? Absolutely they do. But they didn't do the things that you need to do to get in. Yeah. You expecting a blowout? Probably, yeah. 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 I, I think uh I think the run's over, tip of the cap to Sonny Dykes, his coaches, his players. But uh I think I think I think George is gonna dominate. Line's twelve and a half. Um Tom yeah. Luganville on the out of bounds show. I wouldn't be surprised if it's more than that. Late. You know, it could get it could get dicey there. Especially if they if boy, if that if that front gets to Duggan Oof. Eesh. All right. Um, let's okay. switch to the Under Armour All-American game. Isaac Smith uh-huh. Isaac Smith was just named 
he signed with Mississippi State. He's out of Mississippi. You've already talked about him on the show a couple of times. He was just named yeah. the Gatorade Player of the Year. Uh, yeah. Would you talk about what you saw from Isaac Smith at the Under Armour All-American game? Or- yeah, just, just a, a great week of preparation, a great week of doing what he's supposed to do, when he's supposed to do it, being where he's supposed to be, when he's supposed to be there. And, and that's really what this week is all about. You know, whether it's Isaac, um, whether it's any player, the, the game is fluff, right? But the week is structured to put these kids in a position to have to be accountable. And I think that that's the most important thing that we do down there in the sense that we give them a very, very clearly defined schedule, and then we treat them like men until they decide they don't want to act like one. And when you're, <laughs> when you're, you know, late for treatment or you're late for a meal or you're late to get on the bus to go to Disney World or you're late for a meeting, all right, then we all get on the, on the, uh, on the meeting at the end of the day and we say, okay, let's, let's run down the roster. Who was a problem? Who wasn't a problem? Do we have an attitude issue? Do we have a body language issue? Do we have a guy who's not coachable? Do we have a guy that's continually late to meetings? What, who are we concerned about? Right. And that's why, at the, and I tell people this all the time and, and, and our rec, our rankings will reflect this and, and fans will go nuts because they don't know some of the things that we know. So how do you have this guy ranked here, here, and here? Well, maybe just maybe I know something that you don't know. Right. And generally those things that have nothing to do with talent are what prevent a player from maximizing his potential and becoming who everybody's expecting him to become. Now, some can grow out of it. Some do not. Some it is just ingrained in them. There's others that the light goes on. They say, boy, I really screwed that up. I'm not going to let that happen again. Um, and, and that's the, the, the evaluation of that week. And it's only one week, but it's amazing the amount of information. And, again, we've seen so many of these kids at a, an Elite 11 camp, on an Under Armour camp, sure. an Adidas camp. We see them all throughout, you know, since they were sophomores in high school. But – you start to see patterns. You start to see routines. Um, and, and the reason why I bring all that up is because we never had any type of situation like that with Isaac, um, which, is, which is neat. I mean, that's, that's, that's good to have, good to hear. And, um, but it is funny when I, when, I, when I watch these kids, and we could line them all up against the wall, though, at the end of the week. And I could, for the most part, go, that guy's going to make it. That guy's not going to make it. That guy definitely is going to make it. This guy has a chance, but he's going to have to clean some things up. Mm-hmm. That guy's going to make it. That guy has no chance of making it. <laughs> and for the most part, you know, fairly being accurate. You know, we're not going to be 100% right all the time on him. It's impossible to do. But because you, you, you have to account for maturity and growing up and the light going on. And, and then that's going to come. That's where the player development comes in, right? That's where yeah. when you get them, what is your influence on them? Can you get them to conform, to do things the way that you do within your institution? within your program and there will be some that won't and there'll be some that will. And then you, and that's what Mario Cristobal is doing right now at Miami. He's making, he's making that environment so difficult that the kids that don't want to be there will walk out the door and that's what he's trying to do. Yeah. So the ones that are left over are the ones that get it. Yeah. Okay. And let's go to Aiden. And, and he's got too many lines in the den. He, he hired too many ex head coaches, but, um, uh, Suntareen Perkins and Aiden Williams. So Isaac's going yeah. to Mississippi State. The other two are going to Ole Miss. What'd you see from those two? I got about a minute and a half, Luke. 
Yeah, uh, both really, really good players. I think uh, Williams is maybe not as quite college ready. Well, Suntrain Perkins could play multiple positions. I think he could be an outside linebacker. I think he could end up being a strong safety. I also think he could be an outside receiver or a, like a movement H-back. He's just so wow. big and physical and fast. I don't. We play him at linebacker. I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him because he can play in multiple roles. That's cool. Okay, so Luganbill was impressed with all three. Um, yeah. Isaac Smith, Sunterine Perkins, and Aiden Williams, but really thinks uh, Isaac and Sunterine could be ready to go sooner than later um, on the field. Tom Luganbill, thank you, buddy. We'll talk soon. Appreciate you. Take care. Tom Luganbill, National College Football Analyst with ESPN, has not done the keto diet. He joined us on the Patron Tequila guest line. Uh, if you're looking for super premium, 100% blue agave tequila, Patron Reposado, Patron Añejo, and Patron Extra Añejo, you can find it at Briarwood Wine and Spirits or in the Wine and Spirit store that you go to. Chad Bumpus at 930, wide receivers coach, Hell State.